G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. And as we delve into this week's topic, a reminder that some of the content may be of a sensitive nature. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Welcome back to Momentum. Once again, it is fantastic to have you tuning in wherever you may be. Really great that you could spend some time with us and I hope you're doing well. Uh, Once again, I've got Dez with me. How are you today, Dez? You good? I'm doing really well, man. It's great to be back. And while uh, while we're talking about you know things in general, just let me mention our website, MomentumAustralia.org. Uh, lots of feedback, lots of information on there. All our previous podcasts are all on there. All 135 of them or something. Amazing. And so you can help us financially also through our website, and that would be greatly appreciated. And also don't forget our car line, which is one 800 men Easy to remember for men, one 800 If you're doing life on your own and you need a safe and confidential conversation, please reach out to that care line. It's available seven days a week from 9am to 11pm, one 800 and the YouTube, of course, does, as uh, we will mention, that's uh, a brand new channel. It's got uh, some videos on there like this one uh, where you can see us and not just hear us. So I encourage you to check out Momentum for Men on YouTube. And and seriously, avail yourself of the care line if you need this year. Don't, don't do life in isolation. Actually, may this be the year that you actually step into deeper relationships with your, your male friends because it is super, super important that us guys don't do life on our own. And, you know, statistics show that around 80% of people – uh, will fail to keep their New Year's resolutions. Maybe that's one of yours, is to get connected. Um, you know, they fail that by February, and only 8% of people stick with them for the entire year. The question is, why is that? You know, some of it is to do with the why, you know, in terms of discipline or the lack of discipline. But it could also be something deeper that sits at the very core of who we are. Yeah, we're going to explore that and some more, I'm sure, once again with Life Coach, author and speaker, Jonathan Doyle. It's great to have you back on Momentum, mate. Thanks for coming back. So good to be here with a couple of my favourite humans and uh, <laughs> love listening to your intro. It's just a huge privilege to be able to have these discussions and to encourage and support, you know, all the men listening. And, uh, you know, personally I've completely figured out all the problems of manhood in life, so it's hard <laughs> for me to relate to what you're doing. But <laughs> for all the mortals out there, you know, because uh, no, very much on the journey with everybody listening, but great to be back. And that's why we have you on the show. <laughs> I see the first two shows on YouTube in our Momentum for Men channel is you. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so you go on to uh, YouTube, Momentum underscore four underscore men, and you'll see your smiling face on two of the videos. Indeed. That's really Indeed. cool. Yeah. I, th- I think I've lived long enough to realize that, uh, you know, that when God tends to use people, it's – it's rarely because of their own brilliance or success. It's usually because they've uh, – I was speaking in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago and I said, you know, the, the message that I was sharing, I said to them, I, I said to the audience, I'd love to tell you that this message was the result of academic brilliance and hard work. I said it's just the result of 
you know, suffering and being beaten to my knees by life <laughs> for a long, long period of time. So uh, whatever I have to offer is, is, is come at a cost. I think that's for all of us. That's the most important thing. And for people, men listening, to realize that, you know, what we learn is from the knocks and the tough times. And that's the thing that molds us and shapes us into the people that we become. Mm. Yeah, it does. And I, look, just on that, I've been using a word recently where I talk about people being safe, by which I mean I'm doing a consultancy project at the moment in another city uh, and the organisation's got, you know, a little under a 1,000 people in in its office and, I, and I'm working with the exec team on, on a big project that they ran and, and a lot of what you hear is kind of how leadership functions and how people treat each other and... Mm one of the learnings that I've taken from that work is that there's a relatively small number of people who are safe, particularly men like who have, who have taken enough knocks and had enough difficulties and sufferings that they're, there's a bit of an ego death. Then they're, they're mm. not as invested in their own agenda and you mm. can trust them. They're safe. And I think yeah. just, you know, let's just, I mean, I'm jumping straight in, but so many of the leadership problems in our world, the structural political problems in our world are because of people in those positions that, you know, they, they're just not safe. They haven't been, you know, life may have been hard, but they've taken the wrong lessons from that. And so, mm. yeah, I think it, when, when life's hard, th- there's a good chance to learn and, and soften a bit. Mm, it's good. Uh, I have a friend who's one of his famous sayings is uh, never trust anyone that doesn't walk with a limp. Yeah. And it's, and it's from the Bible, you know, where Jacob wrestled and, uh, and he's like, you know, when people walk with a limp, they've, they've been through some stuff and, uh, and it generally, like you said, it, it shapes them in a different way. Well, yeah. I was saying to someone the other day, Tim, you know, uh, I think it's, it was a Robert Bly, one of the real progenitors of the men's movement, you know, in his book, I and John, which is really one of the seminal texts of the men's movement in the late 20th century. And he was like, he talked about this thing called the time of ashes, which was, Mm. you know, that that men often have seasons of success, but then eventually if you live long enough, you get a time when things don't work and stuff's broken. And and I think when that happens, you know, you've got a few options. You can get resentful, aggressive, angry, bitter, vengeful, judgmental. (laughs) Yeah. Or eventually, you can realise that there is um, there is a throne at the centre of the cosmos, and you're not on it. <laughs> <laughs> and once you discover that, it opens up some new possibilities. So I, I used to hate this message. The last thing I'd say is I used to hate this message. <laughs> I used to sit at events and I'd hear people go, "Oh, you know, I've just got God's really softened me," and I've, I've really I'm just there going, "Nah, get off. This is rubbish. Push harder." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Actually, I love that phrase, the fact that, you know, we don't sit on the throne of anything, really. Yeah. God's in control and, you know, we we just have to do what we we need to do and push through. Yeah. So I'd like to claim that as my own, but it's not. It's my favourite contemporary philosopher is a guy called Paul Kingsnorth, who's very, very good. And that's the, the the quote comes from him. He says, "There is a throne at the center of the cosmos, and whatever you put on that throne, you will worship it and call it God." Wow! And and you got a lot of options, and yes. and and that's both individually and it's also collectively. So mm. each of us individually will tend to put something there, and you know whether it's 
whether it's financial, it's sexual, it's relational, it's power, and then we'll do it as a society too. So we will certain – I spend a lot of time in the US these days and, and I love it, but embedded in their founding story is a kind of rugged individual exceptionalism. So kind of at the throne of a lot of that reality is pushing harder, striving harder, and there's some good in that too. So, But anyway, you know – the whole Old Testament is just one group of people putting the wrong thing on the throne over and over again. And mm. so there's nothing new in this. This is a, a basic archetype of the human journey for all of us. We just got to get the right thing on there. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, that's fundamental, isn't it? It's absolutely core to who we are. So let's, I mean, I, I love the fact that we we always start in one point and we we go. <laughs> we start light. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> but but let's let's keep with this, Jonathan, because, I mean, there'll be guys listening, right? I mean, we're starting a new year and we're looking at our lives. And yeah, to some degree, some of us will be assessing. I mean, some don't. We just repeat. But for those of us who are assessing and go, wow, what you just said there about putting something on the throne, um, what would I look at in my life and how would I discern what I've put on the throne? Well, look, the first thing that comes to mind in terms of planning out a new year for men at the macro level, I, I have two words, usefulness and selfishness. You know, I think one of the things you want to think about is being useful. So I spoke at a leadership event last week and I was really big on that. I said, you know, one of the first things you want to be really thinking about is am I being useful? Am I a mm. net benefit to the world or am I basically wow. a drain wow. on reality? So you want to be useful wherever you are. Yeah. That's pretty blunt. <laughs> oh, it's very blunt. Yeah. Well, I mean, usefulness, it's relative, right? So you can be a janitor and be incredibly useful and yes. and you can be just kind and you can be someone that people talk to and you yeah. can have a ministry and a vocation as a janitor. Mm. You can be a president of a nation and be useful. So the first thing is to think about, am I being useful in general? Am I a net benefit to the people in my life, to my to my family members, to my kids, to my, my wife or partner or spouse? Um, and then um, the selfishness piece, I think that's just been on my mind a bit lately. Just it's easy to gradually just drift into this very subtle mentality that, life should serve me, people should serve me. Mm. Uh, we, we live in a very therapeutic culture, so whenever people are experiencing some form of suffering or discomfort, the the, the default mechanism is blame. It's like there must be yeah. a reason for this and someone's causing it. So then I just go to the archetypes. I'd say even if you're not Christian, look at, look at the Christian archetype. The, the cross itself is what we would say is emblematic. It's communicating in its essence, which is the essential Christian message is that the most powerful force in the cosmos decided to serve, decided to yeah. put the needs of others before itself. So life's not complex. You just need to <laughs> – that's the archetype. And no yeah. one's going to do it perfectly, but I think if we if we try to be generative um, – you know, in the masculine archetype, we'd say that the feminine is receptive, the masculine is generative. So, to be to be serving, to be sacrificial, um, and it's in the smallest details. It's in the smallest details of daily life as a man. Like yesterday with my kids, you know, I'm still getting over jet lag, but it's just the small things. I went and bought Monopoly and played Monopoly, and just doing those little things that you you might prefer to do something else. So, usefulness, selfishness, generativity. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's so good. And, you know, it's uh, if every one of us took an ounce of that and implemented that in our lives, the world would be totally different. It'd be a totally different oh, world. Yeah. yeah? But yeah. but we don't. You're, I mean, you're right. We are selfish and we tend to focus on ourselves. We put ourselves on that throne that we talked about earlier. Part of the whole, if we're a person of faith, right, the whole dying to self is something that we're familiar with. But I, I think, uh, you know, what you're saying there is uh, not just dying to what the Lord wants for my life, but like you said, dying to serving those around us. So, you know, like as husbands, for example, with our wives, I mean, the, it's, it's a, we've talked about this on Momentum before, I think the scripture, you know, in Ephesians, where husbands love your wives, uh, wives submit to your husbands. Uh, the, the, the husband's the first up. Uh, the responsibility is firstly on us to love our wives, and then out of that, there's a there's an ease of submission for her. But but it's then how do I do that on a day to day basis? How do I love my wife sacrificially, and doing the things that again, I don't feel like doing, like with my wife, my kids, those around me, but dying to self on a moment by moment basis, serving those around me, um, will will then not in turn just bring a different version of me, but will help bring a different version of them forth too. It's so good, Tim. You know, as you guys know, I'm turning 50 tomorrow and uh, many years ago I heard this older man say that, you know, he said when men get older they only ever do one or two things. They either get uh, they either get holy or they get cranky. <laughs> and I love that. that. That stayed with me. And, and my yeah. experience has been mostly more cranky than holy in general. Like, yeah. so – the offer is who do you want to become over the life project, over the time you have, and mm. develop this theology of striving, which is I should do the right thing and I know what the right thing is. So if I'm not doing the right thing, well, then I've really got to try harder. We're going to take a short break. I mean, it's always a – and we could keep going, Jonathan, but we are going to take a short break and come back. Jonathan Doyle is our special guest on this week's Momentum. Always great topic and uh, conversation. So stay tuned. In the meantime, check out our website as we go to a break, MomentumAustralia.org. We'll be back real soon. This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Okay, welcome back to Momentum. Thanks so much for coming back and uh, joining us once again with uh, Jonathan Doyle on this week's show and uh, always great conversation as we launch in with Jonathan. Jonathan, we were talking in the first part of the show um, about you know the idea of serving others and what that means for us. Um, let's then, as we, you know, as we step into a new year and we're looking at that and how we might tweak our lives, let's come back to ourselves for a moment because obviously we carry ourselves with us wherever we go and how we think about ourselves will shape how we view other people, right? I mean, generally, often how we treat other people is a, a filter of how we actually treat or think about ourselves. So, so let's start with and something we've kind of touched on before, but core beliefs. Um, how, do, how do we, firstly, how do we discover what our core, core beliefs might be? Because that's it's kind of crucial, right? When we're all carrying core beliefs, whatever age we are, and yet some of them might be so faulty or skewed or out of date uh, that they really need to be updated. So how do we start identifying our core beliefs? 
Well, we love to indulge ourselves in the illusion of rationality, right? Like we like to believe <laughs> that we are rational creatures. We always act in our best interest and we see reality as it truly is, right? That, that's what everybody would like to. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> if you ask people, if you said, so do you think you see reality the way it really is? Like who's going to say, no, nah, I don't. I'm just completely <laughs> right. biased. Um, so we are a mysterious, mysterious creation. Um Somebody once referred to us as angels, you know, part angel, part animal. Mm. The, the the essential essence of being human is it's a complex composite of, you know, physicality and almost, you know, spirituality, obviously. So these core beliefs, yeah, they're, they're an incredibly powerful template that do shape our lives in the most profound ways. I, I often think of Carl Jung's famous quote, he said, you know, unless you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you will call it fate. Uh, and, it's wow. a brilliant, it's a brilliant quote. Like, yeah. you know, Jung was, was a pretty strange cat, but that that's good. Like, you know, the unconscious mind is definitely a thing. And the way I used to prove it to people on stage was I'd say, you know, we'd be talking about something and I'd say to them, can you remember where you were on Christmas Day last year? And everybody would suddenly stop and go, yeah, they could, right? And I, then I would say to them, where was that memory before I asked you? Like yes, they weren't yeah. thinking about that until I primed them and prompted them to think about it. So that memory was obviously stored somewhere and it wasn't stored in consciousness. So there's obviously this huge realm of our experience that exists below the level of our daily conscious mind. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, is shaped you know, powerfully by life experiences. Uh, it's pretty fair to suggest that obviously our our formative years as children when we're shaping our sense of reality, sure. there is mystery here. Like you can, you can take someone who's had a pretty good childhood but end up just making horrendous choices, you know, and, and blowing their life apart. And then you can have people, you know, recommend reading Eddie Jaku's book, The Happiest Man in the World, or go and read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. You know, you can find people that go through horrendous experiences in life, but then somehow cross a parameter, a a threshold, and decide to believe different things. So I I wish I could give people a really clear answer. I'll definitely say that our core beliefs uh, are very powerful. They shape our sense of reality. You know, I often tell a story of, um, you know, when my father died, we had a very difficult relationship and and we grew up with a lot of poverty and a lot of financial stress. And I remember going into the hospital and he wasn't in a very good way and we just bought our first house at this point, which was a big deal for us. And I remember saying to him at his bedside, I said, oh, Dad, I said, I, I bought the house. I said, we settled yesterday and, you know, he just said to me, he goes, oh, you're an idiot. He goes, you can't afford that. You'll you'll never keep it. You'll, mm. you'll, you'll never. And those were actually the last words he ever said to me in this oh, world. Wow. And those kind of formative experiences and profound things can, can shape your sense of who you yeah. are. And unless you do the work of critiquing them. Yes. Mm. And I think that's work. I think. I do a lot of journaling again. Like I've just started doing a lot of journaling again. And sometimes it's doing what Jung said, making the unconscious conscious. So I would say to men that 
there's two ways to do this. I think walking actually is a good thing, going for walks and actually just no music, just thinking, just going, what do I believe about the world? Why, why, am, I, why am I on my third marriage? You can't just be that I picked three, the three wrong women three times. Like there's got to be something else going on here or, you know, why do I drink this much or, you know, why do I keep having conflict at work no matter who the boss is? Why does that keep showing up? Like beginning to go, that's courage. You've got to have courage to do that. Like people don't want to do it. Um, so mm. I would say that a journaling can really help. I've, I've wrestled with this my whole life. Like I, I came from a background of a lot of trauma and abuse and I think I lived most of my life under this sense of God being basically angry and wow. and me being – and I've, I've wrestled with that my whole life and it's just been this constant I've got to keep catching myself doing it. Yeah. And, and so, I, I'm, yeah, I wish I could give you something clearer other than to agree that it's crucially important – and if you don't make the unconscious things conscious, they're going to keep running your life forever. I think it's really cool what you said about going for a walk and just doing the quiet. I mean, because I totally agree with that, by the way, in terms of isolation time, thinking things through. The other side of it, of course, is having people in your world that you can talk to about those mm. things that are happening in your world. So you got that dichotomy, you know, time on your own, but also time with others. And so it's important we have both, isn't it? There's... There's something you said that's really, really important. I am on a crusade about this one thing, which is I think we have a cultural crisis of listening. I think wow. I, I, I have a big problem with this at the moment because I get paid to work with senior exec teams and I think what I'm really getting paid to do is, yeah, I synthesise information, and but what I'm really getting paid to do is listen to people. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I'm not counselling people. I'm just literally listening to them. I'm just giving them a place where they yeah. can say things that they can't feel free to say elsewhere. And I've noticed that I'm just on this thing where a very therapeutic culture, we are, many of us, I say this very cautiously, paying all sorts of professionals to do something for us that our communities did for thousands of years, yeah. which was mm. give us a place to be heard. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, I can think of a pastor that I know who's really quite brilliant, amazing skill set, fantastic person. But I've been noticing watching them, and I'm not part of that church. So I'm not having, a, I'm not whining about it. But I'm just saying they're so busy and moving so fast that I've noticed that they struggle to listen and be present. Um. So. One of the things that we can start to really be conscious of and we really should think about doing for each other is really getting good at the listening piece. Yeah. Mm. And you've got to have one or two days. I know this is what you guys do so well. You've got to have one or two people in your life. And, and I just, man, people just don't interrupt. You know, people like you, you tell people something and they go, oh, yeah, yeah I've, I've had that problem and this happened. I'm going, no, don't do that. <laughs> just don't <laughs> don't compare your story to theirs. Yeah. <laughs> just just give them the space yeah. and the place and the time to yeah. be heard. Yes. There's something about being human. Yeah. We, we want to be seen and we want to be heard. And I think that's a massive missing piece of our cultural journey at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's huge. I, I, I just, just want to let that sink in because I think you're right. I think that's absolutely huge. To be seen and to be heard and fully known and fully loved is is huge. It is so powerful, Tim. It's like if a man feels 
completely accepted and heard. Now that doesn't mean is whoever's listening to him is going to give him a free pass. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You know, they may say a few days later, they might say, you know, when I've got some ideas about what you've said, mm. would you like to talk about that? But, but, but don't just, yeah, I had a conversation with someone the other day and it was quite a deep conversation, but it, it reminded me of what I grew up with, which was, you know, God bless him. My father, like, no matter what I would say to him growing up about a problem, his default response was, oh, you think you've got problems? <laughs> it's just oh, like, <laughs> oh, dear. God, God, God bless him, right? He, got, he didn't have the tools. And, yes. But yes. it just, it was all the time. And I, I just, I think there's such a power in listening. And I know that on this mm. podcast I'm doing all the talking, but if you met mm. me in a different context, Mm. I am so darn interested in people. I just find mm. them so interesting. I'm like, I just sit and listen to people and it's mm. it's a great privilege. So I think we've got to start doing it more for each other. Mm. Man, there's a lot in that. And I just want to say as we end the show, if, if that is bringing stuff up for you, this conversation, uh, the care line number again, 1-800-000-636. That's 1-800-000-MEN. Uh, if you need a safe, confidential conversation and you feel like maybe there's something you want to talk about that's not good to talk with your family members or even a close friend, you want someone that's just neutral, uh, the care line is there for exactly that type of thing. 1-800-000-636 and get connected generically. Uh, MomentumAustralia.org, there's options there if you want to reach out to us at Momentum. We'll see what we can do to help you out. But um, yeah, there's been some good stuff in the show. As we always expect when we chat with Jonathan Doyle, (laughs) we go deep pretty quick and we go in all sorts of different directions, but there's lots of meat in there. And Jonathan, as always, man, thanks for your vulnerability. Thanks for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Love it, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.